We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores, the games every day. Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike, and I am excited. The news has dropped just about 30 minutes ago. The official Dennis Schroeder trade went through. He was dealt in exchange for Danny Green and Jaden McDaniels, who was the 28th pick in the 2020 NBA draft, which we'll probably get to a little bit tonight. But the main topic of discussion is Schroeder. Uh, because of the circumstances of kind of the agreement in principle, the gap between then and when the team could officially announce it. I've been knee deep in Schroeder tape for the last few days, right? Because there's no experience quite like getting to know a player on a day-to-day basis. And that scouting the tape from the year before with a different team in a different context is the first part of getting to know that guy. And I know that my opinion will continue to change as I see Schroeder on a day-to-day basis. That's, again, one of the things that's fun about a guy coming to your team. But if you listened to our pods uh, going back to last year, I've been pining for exactly the type of guard that Dennis Schroeder is for quite some time. And the best comparison that I can give after seeing the year play out the way that it did. And while I'm excited, I have concerns about the deal. I can have concerns about like the entirety of the team. The last pod we did was about our wing defense, right? Which was kind of a pretext for, Hey, this deal's about to go down. This is something that we lose. Today, we're going to talk about what we gain and just the player that Schroeder is. The, the best comparison that I could make is when Rondo was really good, how unbeatable were we, right? And Schroeder can be that type of guy. They're very similar players with the exception of Schroeder is it manifests his ball handling and his ability to dribble penetrate will manifest itself as a scorer a lot more, whereas Rondo will do that as a passer. Although Rondo became more of a half-court scorer and transition passer in his last uh, season with us. But when Rondo was really good, it brought that type of player. And Darius, we haven't had a lot of those guys over the last 20 years. We've had triangle point guards and spot-up shooters and defenders. But to me, Schroeder's the best scoring guard like point guard we've had since Nick Van Exel depending on how you want to consider Lou Williams but he brings this just dynamic component to this team man what does it mean well it means a lot I mean (laughs) it's interesting to hear you talk about Schroeder the things that stand out to me about him are speed and quickness Mm -hmm. and that north-south ability and 
we talked about this a lot about like what are the things that the Lakers are sort of what's their identity as an offense right and this has been a key theme of the pod and just a point of analysis about the Lakers for this entire past season and their chief strength was threatening the front of the rim right and you've talked a lot about trying to stack strengths on top of themselves. Yes, I was going to get to this. Yes. In order to really bludgeon a defense, right? And, and oh, well, you want to take away the front of the rim. It's not just stopping LeBron James and how he does it. It's stopping Anthony Davis and how he does it. And now it's going to come down to stopping Dennis Schroeder and how he does it. And those things all don't look the same. They don't all come from yes. the same angles. Um, they don't come with the same style. And it's a different dimension. Yeah, and it's just a and it puts the defense in 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 precarious situations, right? Because there's there's LeBron driving in the half court, and it's a driving kick, and maybe it's to AD, and he's spotting up behind the three point line. But then, oh, so the big chase is to close, and then. Their AD goes, right? Show and go. And he's going to the front front of the rim. And it was typically just those two guys. And now there's going to be a third guy that can do it. And not just in the half court, but in transition, in early offense plays, in the pick and roll. And, and there's a lot of different avenues in which Schroeder gets to the basket and, and threatens the defense from his mindset as a scorer, right? And when you talk about Rondo and when Rondo is at his best, one of the reasons why, so I'll push back a little bit from this perspective, or I want to look at this from a different angle. One of the reasons why Rondo, for example, was at his best or, or elevated the Lakers when he was looking to score was because the way that defenses treated him was as a passer, right? Fair point. And, and mm -hmm. so his passing was always going to be a threat. And when he then kicked up the scoring notch, it was like, oh, damn, we really don't know what to do with this dude at this point in time. Schroeder's going to be much more of an attack player. And how that plays out over the, like the long game will defenses will then start to scheme for that. And he's going to have to show enough playmaking chops as well to keep defenses on balance. Mike, the idea of having sort of a score first player and the way that Schroeder can score is a great idea, but I'm wondering if, if, if there's a certain part of his offense that stands out to you, if Pete and I are thinking about his dribble pen penetration. No, that's it. I mean, it's his, He's explosive, uh, I think, is is the first word. And if you watch the Houston OKC series, and yeah. clearly that was one that we were all especially attuned to because we knew uh, pretty early. I mean, look, honestly, at the beginning, we knew that the Lakers were going to be uh, playing whoever won that series, and it goes seven. And in game three, Shooter goes for 29 points, five assists, five rebounds in 39 minutes, and OKC wins. Game four... He goes for 30 points, three assists on 10 and 16 shooting, makes four threes. And Houston, they just didn't really have much to do about it. They, they didn't have a guy out in the perimeter that could stay in front of shooter. And eventually he wore down a bit in the series. He didn't shoot the ball as well in, in game six and game seven. And part of that is because Houston basically had to, they, he became right there with Chris Paul a better option than Shea Gilgis-Alexander, a better option than Danilo Gallinari. Like he was the guy that they had to shift a lot of their defensive attention to. And, yeah. you know, even in that point of a series, Chris Paul began to wear down a little bit. And so for me, when I think about the fact that he is now going to be the, the third best offensive option, and that's yes. on certain nights, you know, Kuzma, uh, can can get to that point too. It's a little harder for him though, because that was just, that's in that lineup setting, he's not going to be given that much of an opportunity. But Schroeder, since he's going to have the ball more, it starts of possessions. Uh, he, it, I, I think that he's that guy. And how does a defense deal with that when Schroeder is sitting on the other side of the floor and he can get to the rim in a second? Like, like if you swing, swing, boom, he's either wide open three. And if you close out hard to, hard to him, which you have to do now, 
that he shot, you know, almost 40% from three, he's at the rim. And so that, that to me is what's really exciting offensively. I think it's a super easy um, and great fit where, which, where, where we have to talk about later in this pod, because I know Pete wants to jump in here on, on this point is you can't look at this as like a Danny green for Schroeder swap. They still need another bigger wing, you know, to be on in that mix. This is basically, right. and we'll see what happens with Rondo. That's the position, you know, the backup kind of lead guard. That's where those minutes are coming from. So the playoff Rondo minutes, uh, and, and again, we'll see what happens with Rondo, but so Pete, let me, let me kick it back to you on this point and we can get to sort of the roster fits in terms of defense and rotation and uh, closing lineups and defense uh, as we move on. Yeah. So I want to zero in on that point about Schroeder on the weak side. And this goes back to a bigger question of when, you know, we got the reports that the other day that this was about to go down of like, how does Schroeder fit with LeBron and AD? And is his three-point shooting real, right? That's his three-point shooting getting up to nearly 40% this past season. That's the only year in all of his, his seasons. He's going into his eighth year this, this upcoming season. So he had six seasons where he was a poor three-point shooter. And then he jumps up to this 38.5%. And so that was one of the things when I'm watching tape. I'm like, how real is his three-point shooting? And what I came to realize is he played off of the ball a lot more than I had ever seen him before, which makes sense because they brought in Chris Paul this season and he was more of a two and kind of the second ball handler. So he would be on the weak side and he'd got higher quality three-point looks that I think, I don't think he's, he's got kind of a weird pushy type of three-point shooting form where he kind of twists right to left. It's not, not conventional. And that type of shot is not conducive to having to shoot quickly, right? Like a quick closeout and somebody's on top of you. Schroeder can knock that shot down from like a pullback dribble, but on like a catch and shoot, he needs just a little time to gather himself. But with Chris Paul on one side of the floor and Shea Gilgis-Alexander as well, you've got these like dribble penetration options, these collapse the rim. Uh, and, and he, you're either sagging off to help on that, dribble penetration and that gives him time to if he's got time he's actually a pretty good shooter or if a guy turns their head this is some a cut that lebron is great at is if lebron will like anticipate a swing pass and will always already be like a half or three quarters of a way stepping into his cut to the basket and you hit him and he's already on the run and Schroeder does a great job of that right so these are two really important weak side things that he can do that play off of LeBron and AD. And so from watching the tape, I was like, oh yeah, he absolutely can play with them. He can give LeBron some time off. LeBron doesn't have to handle the ball nearly as much for us to be an effective offense. I think him and AD, Darius, I want to kick this to you here, is the, the Schroeder AD pick and roll. What do you see there? So Schroeder's an interesting pick, well, pick and roll player because he, he's going to look to score a lot, right? One of the things that Schroeder does very well is decline screens, which can create an interesting dynamic between him and AD if AD's shooting carries over to next season the way that it did in the bubble, right? Because mm -hmm. when you did not when you decline screens, it it's almost like you're setting up a natural ice. Right. Defense, and pick and pop and right? pick and pop scenario with your big. And then the pick and pop becomes really the primary release valve for you as the player with the ball. AD is such a threat, right? As a lot threat. And even again, if the jumper's falling, even as a pop threat, right? And if so, I'm not sure if Schroeder has ever played with a big bad that's going to give him as many different types of options in the same type of player as a screener than what AD is, right? So Steven just Adams- to, Just to jump in, just to jump in real quick, uh, Schroeder had great chemistry, lob chemistry with Nerland's Noel, right? So in terms of that similar type of big, and obviously Noel can't pop out, but that was something that really stood out on tape was like, oh man, Schroeder and, and, and Noel were connecting all the time. And so he's played with Noel, I think that Adams is another really good pick and roll dive man type type of player. And then when he was in Atlanta, 
he played with Al Horford, right? Who is more of a classic pick and pop big man. So Schroeder has experience playing with all these different types of bigs who do all of these different types types of things, but AD can do all of them, right? In, in a single player. So I do think there's high potential there for Schroeder and AD's pick and roll to be a foundational action for second unit off offense before I kick it to Mike though I I wanted to jump back to Schroeder's shooting numbers just because I was surprised by how well he shot the ball this past season and I just wanted to get these numbers out there because I wrote about them at Forum Blue Wing Gold. And I think that they're telling because they speak to your point, Pete, about him being a better spot-up shooter and spot-up shooting being so key to why his numbers went up this past year. And so Schroeder shot 42.4% on threes this past season where he didn't take a dribble. Right. So those are basically catch and shoot, catch and shoot threes. And he shot 39.4% on threes that were considered wide open or open based off of the NBA's tracking data. Right. And so these are the exact types of threes that get created when playing with LeBron and Anthony Davis, especially on weak side action. Right. That's and what so, I'm saying. He's got t- when he's got time to set up his form, he's a good shooter. So Schroeder's not going to be this gravity guy that you're going to park strong side corner, right? That, oh, if you cheat off of him, you're getting killed every single time, right? But he can definitely be that swing swing guy that either gets up the shot or attacks a closeout, mm. right? And well, it's so good. And, and, and Darius, though, he's going to have time to shoot and to set up a shot because if you're too tight to him, he's, he's gone. He's yeah. by you. So yeah. you can't, you can't track him as quickly um, as the average player. And that, like, that's the whole kind of beauty of his game is that he's, he's now figured out how to leverage that speed um, with the shot. So I think it's, it's a combination, right? It's playing with Chris Paul. It's playing with two other point guards oftentimes, which then leave him as the guy that can spot up. Um, it's, you know, getting to his year 27 season. Uh, like, so it, it's a lot of these things lining up, but it does. That's why to me, it's, it's, it's a savvy move in that context because it, you can play him with your two stars, but you don't have to. Um, and he can still be impactful. And, and I know we've been focused more on the offensive side, which is, which is human nature, but yeah, that, that I don't have, I can't poke many holes in how he fits offensively. Yeah. Well, we'll get to his defense. I, I, after the break, I want to get to, Uh, some of the things that concern us, right? Some of the question marks about his game. But with respect to the pick and roll in particular, you know, we thought going into last season that the LeBron AD pick and roll going to be really the central part of what the Lakers did on offense. And it didn't work out that way at all. And one of the reasons I believe is that they're, they're similar enough in size and style in that they're both physically overwhelming, very large human beings. And so if you're guarding one with the, like you might as well just switch it. Cause if you got somebody that's guarding AD on purpose, they're probably going to be your next best option to guard the other superhuman on the court. And so they switched that a lot last season. Defenses did. Schroeder, if you get a slow footed footed big on Schroeder, it is so fun to watch. He is like he just zips around and and that first step, that explosiveness, that combustibility that Mike was talking about. He's you know, he's one of those guys that like he had 28 tonight, 18 in the third quarter, right? He had 22, 12 in the second quarter. He goes on these runs by himself where he'll really dominate a shift. And that combustibility means that if a, t- if a defense is really dependent upon switching, if they're really dependent upon that style, we have another counter that didn't exist last year of a switch-busting ball handler that was like what LeBron can do against a smaller player in a lot of ways is what he can do against a bigger player, but he doesn't have that that quick skittering type of style that Schroeder has that is going to be I, just really help us against our, our switches. I would also say, Pete, that defenses still respond to 
a pick and roll where LeBron is the ball handler as, well, we're going under. We're going under every single sure. time, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you know, because LeBron shooting a long two or even an open three, that's still better than him getting to the front of the rim. And defenses will treat Schroeder similarly, right? They're going to try to go under screens on him as well. But LeBron is no longer... And I don't think he was ever really this type of pick and roll player where it was like, meet me on the other side and I'm going to be by you, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's never really been what he does in the pick and roll. He will probe, he will pull it back, he will look to set it up again because if he's looking to score, it's like I'm getting downhill quickly against you or... I'm looking to pass because he is just a brilliant basketball mind. And that's his, his approach to that. But if you go under on Schroeder, you better get the angle in order to meet him on the other side. Because if your big is a soft hedge, he's going to eat up that soft hedge. Oh yeah. He'll, he'll beat him outside leg. Absolutely. And then he will be by you. And then it's like, Oh shit. Where's he at? It's like the linebacker scraping the line, trying to meet the running back on the other side of the hole. And if you're too slow, guess what? That dude is up the sideline already. And that's what Schroeder does a lot. He took 3.6 free throws per game uh, last year. And if do you guys take a guess of who was third in the Lakers in free throw, percent, uh, three free throw attempts per game last year. Oh, wow. Um, Dwight. Exactly. Yeah. Nice speed. I, I didn't think you were going to get that. Well done. Uh, so Dwight, 3.1 uh, free throws per game, which, uh, which you know, is kind of a lot for his 19 minutes. But of course, every time he catches the ball in, in the paint, more or less, he's either going to, it's either going to be a dunk or a foul. But so that element, like I, free throw attempts from the perimeter is always one of my favorite little stats to look at because it, it speaks to what we were talking earlier about uh, creating that pressure on the rim and a guy that can do it without needing help to do so. And that's, uh, I, I just think that's uh, an, an undersold quality um, on offense. And that's why, you know, the guy averaged 19, uh, nearly 20 points per game, two out of the last three seasons. And so, yeah, like it, it's uh, it's it's very it's very enticing to see how um, how that is going to fit, and, and I do think it also provides a little bit of uh, just juice, just boost, you know, for a team that's going to need some early in the season uh, as they as they uh, get going again after their you know we talked we spent a whole podcast on this like seventy days <laughs> after they won the title, whatever it's going to be. Sure, he's had a bit more rest than uh, a lot of the other guys on our on our roster. And, he, and he's hungry. He's just hungry, right? He has he has sure. won, and and he's like he's he's got he's the one now uh, that when you join a team that won the year before, you're the one yeah. with something to prove. Absolutely, right? like you're you're the one that's mm-hmm. got to show what you can do. Yeah. Well, also too, I'm I mean, maybe this is the elephant in the room, or it's just a point that hasn't been made yet. But he's Anthony Davis's age. Like this mm-hmm. dude isn't. So when oh this Mike, has big picture implications yeah. also, uh, along with like what he adds to this year's team. Yeah, Mike, you had mentioned you you know like oh we can't really look at this as a trade for for like a swap of Danny Green for Dennis Schroeder. They don't play the same position, and all of that's true, right? But what the Lakers did do is they swapped a 33 year old player for a guy who's going to go into his age 27 season, and it's very rare. It's very rare that you're able to fill a need on your roster and they did maybe create another need, right? By trading Danny Green. And we talked about this some um, the last pod, but it's very hard to, to fill a need to, in theory, I think, win a trade or, or get a player who probably on the open market has more value than the player who you're trade that you're trading away, right? And that player be younger, right? And so this checks a lot of boxes from from the standpoint of just straight trade evaluation, straight asset evaluation. The Lakers got a player who out on the open market was likely going to be more coveted than the guy that they traded away. And that's reflected in the fact that they gave up an asset 
as well in order to get him. But this is just a good move for them from the on so many levels. Yes. Just, I know that we will get to all right. Like, what's he going to defend like? And I oh, spoiler spoiler. I'm I'm I think he's better on defense than folks think. Yes. Oh, he is. He is. Yeah. But there are there are concerns. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk more about them. I got a couple of things I want to say about pick and roll before we get to the defensive end, but we're going to get to as much of it as we possibly can. Uh, but let's take a break. We'll come back and do that. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is their best offer available anywhere. So right now, go to Indeed.com backslash podcast. Terms and conditions apply, and the offer is valid through September 30th. All right, so sorry, just one point on the, the pick and roll point that Darius was making is if you defend Schroeder on the pick and roll the same way that you defend LeBron, if your defensive coverage is the same, Schroeder will pick that apart, right? So they're complementary in that Schroeder's got that pull-up mid-range game or he's beating higher hedges because the big has to step up because he's that pull-up threat. And so he's going to beat him outside leg where if you don't take that angle that Darius was talking about, you're going to beat you that way. So it's that rock, paper, scissors thing that I'm always talking about is like, we've got a, a scissors to go with our rock in terms of the, the pick and roll options that we have. So that makes it just more challenging on defenses when you can't guard everybody on the pick and roll the same way you have to communicate or else you're going to blow that coverage. You're going to apply Schroeder's coverage to LeBron or LeBron's coverage to Schroeder, both of which are really beneficial to the other, the other player. Anyway, that said, this is, this is not a perfect move. It is not something where we don't have major concerns. Again, if you didn't listen to the wing defense podcast that we had before this one, give that a listen as well, because that's a little bit more of a, a pessimist, I think, viewpoint of this perspective deal. Defensively, Mike, you said that he's a better defender than people realize. I agree. But what do you mean by that? Well, so he, so just on pure physicality, right? He's six one, uh, and he's slight. You know, he's I don't know, one hundred and eighty pounds, something like that. So just by that sheer optic, it's hard to look at a guy that size and think that they're going to be able to do much to impact. But where he makes up for some of that is a he's super long. He's got the the really long arms, and so that just by in its own right makes him uh, makes him a, a more valuable defensive player. Um, he's obviously quick. And he competes, especially last year. He's scrappy. Uh, he's competitive, yeah. right? There were there were there was some stuff. I don't know if, how, if you guys remember this, but in Atlanta, there there, there were some question marks about him uh, just as like a team guy. And I think part of it was he was not super thrilled with the losing, and he wanted the team to be better. And he's he's not like a back down type guy. Not uh, at all. He's, he's about it. Yeah. He's feisty. He's feisty, and so that feistiness combined with the length the athleticism it it makes up for uh, just his his lacking um, you know some of that just sheer size so now th does that mean that he can go up and, and guard big wings um you know no uh, but he's he's not going to get smashed 
uh, like some guys would that, that just aren't about it, that just aren't about the fight. So, and if you look at so regular season last year, uh, again, I, I always, this is always quantifiable, but just to just to throw it out there, his defensive rating um, was actually pretty good, uh, and, and like 103, and his net rating overall, in part because of that, was was plus 5.5, which was trailing only CP3 in Gallinari. So he's not like that. He's not that weak spot. Um, now uh, you, I know you guys both watched some more clips specifically, but I didn't feel like watching the Houston series. Oh, here's, here's the liability Russ or James is going to just crush him. And that's how they're going to beat them. Like that's, that's not really how they broke down OKC's defense uh, too often, uh, at least from, from what I was seeing. The thing I like about him, Mike, is he will get into you and he will pressure you on the dribble. And there is an aggressiveness when he is dialed in defensively that I think suits what the Lakers want to try to do defensively, right? And, and, and so yeah, one of the ideas that, you know, and, and Pete said this a lot on the pod is like the bigger, stronger, faster idea, right? So Schroeder's not bigger, right? He's six one. He's not stronger, right? But he is faster and he is quicker. And one of the things that I appreciated about Vogel as a head coach is putting players in positions to utilize the tools that they have at their disposal within the context of what the team is doing on both sides of the ball, right? And so we talked a lot about offense and and in the first part part of the pod and and I expect Vogel to to leverage some of the tools that Schroeder has in terms of quickness and speed and leverage those offensively right like hey let's let's run a little bit more or push the pace right which was already an idea that the Lakers want to do because they're one of the best transition teams in the league well Schroeder is going to add to that too which is another point offensively that, that we didn't even bring up earlier defensively though I do think they're going to say like look man like get it up in there get your nose in there right pressure the ball force these guys to drive we know that you're not going to battle in the post right we're not going to ask you to switch and hold up on on an island against like Nikola like Nikola Jokic or 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 some power wing but what we do want you to do is pressure the ball turn them once or twice right Give them a driving angle, not a lane, but but an angle, and, and veer a guy towards towards our help. Use your quickness in an aggressive manner in order to play to our strengths defensively. We're gonna have your back back there, and use those tools that you have. Right, one of the players that that Schroeder's been compared to, especially earlier in his career, is Rondo. Right, they do have a yeah. similar frame right rondo's got wide the long arms like, like yeah. he's got wider shoulders and, and and is more muscular right like like bigger just bigger arms and all all of that but the length of the arms the relative size the quickness and rondo when he was dialed in i think was a superior defender to what schroeder is when schroeder's dialed in but that doesn't mean he can't play that same sort of template gamble some get in the passing lanes use your tools and we're going to be behind you to support you in that and so I do think that he can be if not like some huge plus he can be like a not like not a minus and if he can just be neutral or even a small net positive considering what he projects to bring offensively this is a major win here. Yes, absolutely. Defensively, I like him on the ball better than off of it. And it's more of a matter of engagement than anything else. When he's defending on the ball, he, he competes. He uses those long arms. He's disruptive. Um, he, he gets after it, as coaches would, would say, right? He's somebody that – that was something that my, my first impressions of – what I thought of Schroeder before I started really getting into the tape was yes, obvious offensive upgrade, but we lose some of our defensive identity. And I don't believe that as much 
after watching tape. And it's because he competes, especially at the point of attack. And what you were saying, Darius, about Vogel putting guys in defensive positions to do what they do well, while like, so for example, when we had Rondo and KCP in the game, we weren't really switching that much defensively. Something like can, Vogel can put Schroeder in a position where Schroeder is a plus defender. If Schroeder's in the game, we're picking up full or three quarter, right? And we're looking to turn the ball handler once or twice. And that's it, right? Not get the steal or anything, but just this is our little part of the game where we're wearing down one of their primary ball handlers for the purpose of fourth quarter. They don't have their legs, right? This is something the coaches have been doing since the beginning of time. So Schroeder fits into our culture defensively. And that's something with Danny going out. It's the size though, right? And and I want to bring this back to our last pod, Mike, where I, I feel that Schroeder fits in in terms of that he's got some assets that he can apply and he competes defensively. But we do find ourselves considerably smaller than yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't I don't agree with that. Uh, here, so here's why. Interesting. He's replacing, in at least in, in my mind, the minutes that he's replacing, say, in crunch time, which is really all that matters when we, when, in this discussion, okay? Like, That's the Lakers correct. are so talented, especially LeBron and AD, and all. Like, they're, they're going to get through the first three quarters fine. Ultimately, though, like, where does Shooter come into play in a potential closing lineup? And as you suggested, Pete, does that make the Lakers smaller? Well, not if the minutes that he's replacing are either Avery Bradley or Rondo which were the two guys regular season. It was often Bradley in that kind of Bradley's setting. bigger than him though. I agree with you on Rondo, but Bradley like has a physicality to him that Schroeder doesn't have. Yeah. But, they, but in what, in what context, like was Bradley guarding big wings? Like chesting? No, but like, no, like chesting ball handlers, right? Yeah, Bradley sure. is going to hit you with his chest and he's going to, and Schroeder doesn't, doesn't do that. Now your point though, about like is Bradley in against those bigger wings, and that's well, so, and that's ultimately what I, I see from shooters. Like sometimes he'll be appropriate, sometimes he won't. Well, okay, so the I'll, I'll concede the point that Bradley is a more physical defender at the one than almost anybody. So you have that, but but my point is it's not a size loss like overall because you're still if he's if he's on the court, the guys that are going to be next to him, LeBron, AD, um, KCP, and then either like Kuzma, Markeef, like that and that. So mm-hmm. you're not, that, that is the, Kuz or Markeef in that situation is replacing Danny Green in, in terms right. of what the whole lineup is. Now, if you're going to play Caruso, no, that's a good point. Schroeder, yeah. uh, KCP, you can get away with that. I think to an extent by having Caruso sort of slide up, muscle up, and then have like, if that team's got the Kawhi slash Giannis, whoever, well, LeBron or AD is guarding him in crunch time anyway, at least like if you have to win that game. Right. But if we have to switch in those types of lineups, that that's where that can be problematic. And right? that's because KCP yes. isn't good on but those same either. thing with, but same thing with Rondo. Now Rondo is still a bigger, stronger uh, in some senses, senses than Schroeder, but you are like, I don't, I don't see that as that much of a net loss there because Schroeder is scrappy and is going to compete and is going to, it's going to battle. But yeah, that's so, fair. Like, I, yeah, but like Darius, why don't you kind of break the tie in this one? Like it's a, that, that's a because it's an inter, it's an interesting point that Frank Vogel certainly is going to be thinking about as he's as he's going to figure out how to piece together these closing type lineups. I do want to have a bigger conversation about like closing lineups and minutes and role. So we'll get to that in a second. I'm more with Pete from the physicality standpoint and the idea of how big do you play. Right. And so there's a how big are you? And there's a how big do you actually play? Bradley plays bigger than than he is. Rondo, when he's engaged, plays bigger than than he is. I don't envision Schroeder playing bigger than he is. I do see him being able to leverage the tools that he has, and that can give the Lakers a different element that they did not have on last season's team, which could end up being just as important, just as effective, and an element that tilts things a different way, right? So I think we can get caught up in the idea of, and I can be guilty of this too, Pete, like, that we can get caught up in, well, it was this way last year. They should do it this sure. way next year. I mean, but it worked so well. That, but it yeah. worked so well. Like, like yeah. they won, they and, whooped and everyone. And, like and the, which is which is fair. But also here's the here's the beauty of this signing. If you need to be bigger, right, and kind of maintain that physicality, that you don't you don't need to play shooter. Right. 
Right. Like, that's the too. It's not like Danny Green was a guy who was closing every no, game he, that and he, he had. Right. And there were many games where he didn't close. And so that's, that's again, the point where if you want to be big and physical one day, we'll see if Dwight's back. Uh, but like he's 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 available. We'll see if Marquise back. Kuzma, like they're they're you're gonna have some of those bigger lineups that you right. can still go to with KCP and Caruso as your backcourt, where you're still big at the one two, and then bring a bigger three in. And so like, but hundred percent. The flip so, side, of course, is what all of the stuff that you get from Schroeder um, on the other end, if you want him to just dice through defenses. So, so you can kind of have it both ways. So great. This is where I want to talk about role then and you know pete knows me well from doing the podcast forever and mike knows me well too from text messages and in-person conversations and i think just my general demeanor and this comes up a lot about like people like these are people right they're not skill sets they're not right they're not ideas yes they're not ideas that you put on paper that you then go out and tell to do the thing that they're supposed to do. They're we people. save that stuff for the Celtics, yes. Right? And so, Schroeder's going to be the third highest paid player on the team. He's going to be 27. He's not Danny Green that just won a championship, had won a championship earlier in his career and is 33 years old and is probably one of the most even keeled veteran, like just role player guys you're going to find in the league. Schroeder is not that words that you guys have used. The entire pod is like, is feisty and competitive uh and, Uh and you guys talked about him not backing down and having some dog in him. Mike alluded to some of the fallout he had in Atlanta where he basically dogged it his last season there before he got traded, right? And so, look, Schroeder has a history of not being necessarily the most congenial guy. And that's fine. Not like Who's he replacing again? Yes. The guy that he was replacing, though, was on a minimum contract and who had the respect of the coaches and had the ear of the entire locker room and had Mm -hmm. a championship won himself. And so we can do the apples to apples thing. I'm telling you, each person's an individual person and you can't just slot them. No, 100%. So all I'm saying is, is is it going to be okay if you're like, yeah, so we needed bigger guys out there. So this is a great point. KCP and Caruso closed. It's a big playoff game. And maybe, yeah, you may be the third best guy. You may be our third best player, but you didn't fit. This is part of where you're going to look at LeBron and AD and say that like a team, like having those superstar guys that are, that have that credibility. It ain't Atlanta, man. This ain't Atlanta. Where, like, look, your, your point is well taken, right? Like, he's a different person. He's in, he's in a contract year coming up, right? So if he comes in and has to average 13, 14 points per game, is he going to get as much money as he would be if he was on a different team and he's putting up 22 and 9, which is he's capable of if he got the touches? So is he that kind of guy? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I would hope and I would, I would assume that there's due diligence done and, and – that the people making these decisions that are advocating, do you know the answer to that question? Right, Mike? Like, yeah, you don't yeah, bring in a guy like this without doing that homework. Well, I'll do a Darius yes and no for that one. And by the way, <laughs> um, I, I almost sent you a screen. I, I was reading uh, uh, President Barack Obama wrote an article for The New Yorker in which in, he, he wrote yes and no. Um, as a reply to something, and I almost took a picture of a descendant Darius um, thinking I'm an influencer, like baby. I'm an influencer. Uh, <laughs> oh, exactly. Influencing the influencer. Don't encourage him, please. Yeah. And and so with with this is basically a, a question that every single roster has to answer every yeah. year, whether you're good or bad. And the good news for the Lakers in this context is that they won the title last year and they don't have to play anybody except for LeBron and AD anybody else on the roster they just Mm -hmm. they just don't and if you're not and if you're not about it on if if you're poor on a given night and then you're going to complain about it guess who that reflects poorly on whoever is doing the complaining 
It's like that yeah. culture, that part of it is set. And, and Frank Vogel is key here because he does a really good job of that kind of stuff. He just does. Yeah. He, and, and he's, guess what? Frank Vogel is back. And so I don't worry about that. Um, but here's the second part of that. Who's got, some, I don't, I don't want to say got some heat for this, but he, he's another guy that has more to offer than he had to give last year, mm-hmm. which could be the case for him this year, which could be the case for Schroeder this year. And good. I want that. I don't want a guy mm-hmm. that's that age that can give more. That's just totally cool with playing limited minutes in a backup role that doesn't get a lot of shots. And so that's fine. Like I I'm all for a little healthy um, uh, competition, friction, uh, all of that stuff. As long as the, the, the goal is towards overall team improvement with the self-improvement. I don't want to frame it as if I'm like super worried about this. I do think it's a variable that needs to yeah. be considered. And it's something that needs to be on people's minds. Right. Very much what, so in terms of how to manage the situation. I'm on board with everything that you guys said. I also think too, that the goal here is to find a way for everyone to row in the right direction. When Mike, you're talking about hunger to win. And when a guy gets to this point in his career, right? Been in the league six, seven, eight years and have had some success, but not the ultimate success, and now you're joining a championship team, you would hope that the idea uh, is, all right, even if I am only here for one year, we're going to go win this so year. So how, how he competes is indicative of a guy who cares about that type of stuff. And I'm glad that you brought this up because Pat Riley used to talk about the the disease of me. Is that what, is, what it was called? Or the disease of more? Yeah. The but disease yes. of more, right, same, yeah. Same idea, same thing. Right, and it was, it was in the context of after a team wins a championship, everybody who's a part of that championship tries to use that championship to their benefit for some way, right? That might mean Derek Fisher signing with... Golden State Warriors, uh, six-year, $36 million contract back in, well, when was that, 2004 or 05 or something like that, right? And to have a bigger role, to make more money. And that's there's nothing wrong with that, but everybody's profile gets raised. Everybody wants to make a little more money. Everybody wants to have a little bit bigger role. And part of what was so wonderful about last year is that everybody really came together for those team goals. And that like, as fans, we think, Oh, that should be the case always. Why is it every team like that? But careers are short. The teams will trade you in a blink of an eye. And so well, there's a reason why that was an outlier team. It's because it's right. not like that. It's, it's right. like, it's very rare that, that it's to that level that last but, year's yeah. Lakers were. But when hierarchy is clear, and that's the case with, I think I've mentioned, I've used this totally team comp as the, uh, I've used the the Kobe Powell, you know, Bynum, Lamar, Fisher, like that, the the 9-10 um, championship teams and this team too. There's no, like, there's no coming into this team. I don't care what player in the league comes in. It's still going to be LeBron and AD, two all-NBA first team uh, guys that probably should have won the regular season MVP and defensive player of the year, the finals MVP, like that, that takes care of all of those discussions, mm-hmm. at least, at least on a big level. Like, sure, there's going to be minor stuff, about, but in, in there wasn't last year in part because they always won. And if, right. if there are bumps in the road, it's still ultimately not only going to be about LeBron and AD, but it's going to come back on them. And therefore, they're not going to let all that stuff be too much of, a, of an issue, I would think. So that I, I, maybe I'm doing my I'm not concerned thing again. Um, but yeah. no, no, but, I think it, that- but you have a, we have a foundation. We have a foundation that is as good as there is in the NBA right now, right? On top of that clear hierarchy of LeBron and AD, and that's this is their team. You've got Vogel, who's wonderfully collaborative. So he's always somebody like the the relationship between him and Rondo last year. I think looking back on it in retrospect was super the way Vogel really vouched for him, just how there was that trust there. And that when everybody else was (laughs) including us, right? Pete, I gave, I've gave Vogel many opportunities with direct questions uh, or I I should say indirect questions. (laughs) Right. Right. To to dance around it. Yeah. And he always, and he always backed them and, and he won for it. And, and so it doesn't have to be 
even the the framing of it as a well you're coming in here dennis schroeder and you better fit into what we do god damn it because we're the nba champions right like even that has somewhat of a confrontational tinge to it that isn't necessary right like there's a way for this to Dennis Schroeder's in a contract year. We don't need LeBron to be carrying this heavy-ass load for 72 games in a regular season. Schroeder can get his touches. Schroeder can get his numbers I during fully, the regular season, right? I fully expect I fully expect Vogel to embrace him. That's and, what I mean, right. And find ways like, like, what can we do in order to try to maximize you in the Absolutely. same way that, look... Of course, everything is going to lean towards LeBron and lean towards AD in terms of structure of the team, offensively, defensively. You want to optimize the strengths of your best players, but every player should be put in the position to be the best version of themselves. That's exactly what coaching is. And to me, that was one of the highlights of Vogel this past season was him trying to do that for every single player. And sometimes we didn't agree that that was what was best, right? I I don't think we always agreed when it came to Rondo. I don't think we always agreed when it came to Caruso. I don't think we always agreed when it came to even Danny Green. or. But he ended up being right. He ended up being right a lot more than we were on the things that we disagreed on. Look, man, but like, it all came down to it when it came right down to it. He won the championship. So how how right or wrong he was in the end, in the moment, didn't matter because in the end, he's the one holding the freaking trophy. That's so, why he's holding the trophy. Like, it's not an accident, man. He's good at what he does. And so the point is that like there are going to be challenges this year. There are going to be challenges this year that are different than there were last season, but the foundation is in place to get the best version out of anybody, Dennis Schroeder included, because of that clear hierarchy, because of what this team has accomplished together. And Schroeder is a, about it, right? Schroeder is a competitor. That's something that really, there's so many clutch moments. That's one thing that from watching the tape, like there were so many plays throughout the season. He was part of this five-man lineup that they had the best net rating in the NBA, right? And it was CP3 and Gallo and and Schroeder. And I think maybe Dort was in there. And I, I forget who the, the fifth guy was, but it was the best net rating in the NBA. Like one thing I worried about and kind of his reputation from Atlanta is he's kind of this empty numbers. And like when he's bad, this is a point that I wanted to make. I I try to look for what's the annoying version of this player, right? Like what's the version of this player that's going to piss me off at some point this season. And he's a, Oh, he's doing too much kind of guy. Like, like what were you thinking with that pass or that shot? You made that way more difficult than it needed to be. Right. But you could work with doing too much type of guys. It's guys on the other end of that spectrum where you need to kind of, you know, get their motor revving that I'm more concerned about in a, in a playoff setting. Yeah. The and Pete, the playoff setting is too, is what's most important here also. And yeah. we, we just watched him to kind of go back to the point from earlier in the pod. We just watched him really play at a high level uh, in key moments of a playoff series against a team uh, that was better, at least in, 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 it, that at least had more talent. And that is important. So just like when it's important for us not to overreact to a lottery team's performances in March and April, when like, whoa, did you see what, what homie did? Like with the average of 23 points, and we always <laughs> do that, right? In, in, yeah, in a typical yeah. season. But I, I think that just like when we saw what Anthony Davis did against Portland and then against the Warriors the next round, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, what he does in the regular season is real. And he just proved it on this stage. And so Schroeder, for any, any, uh, any benefit of the doubt that I may have withheld from watching him have a better season, regular season with OKC, which of course he did, um, I, I was satisfied for me by watching him against Great Houston. Point. And, and watching how competitive he was and, you know, watching, just watching Houston struggle with him, just struggle with how do we, like, they actually had to have, they had to have legit meetings just figuring out, all right, like, what are we going to do with this dude? We can't keep him away from the rim. Like what, what they had to do? solve him. Yes. He was yeah. a problem. Yeah. And it wasn't, he wasn't, and, and it wasn't on the other side where OKC, where Billy Donovan had to be like, Oh, they're attacking Schroeder every play. 
like because he's so slight and that gets to back to what i said where or what the point i was trying to make where he's not avery bradley but he's not a guy that i think is going to get picked on to death um at least where you can't do anything about it and and if and even if to go to the pessimistic side of that darius if he were um then the beauty of it for the lakers is that they don't need him on the floor offensively to the point where they couldn't live with him not finishing a game either. So that's, that's to me what, uh, what excites me about the overall uh, player that's coming in. Yeah. I think the point that you guys were making there about another team actually had to scheme for this guy or they had to game plan for him. Yes. Right. And the Lakers just got through an entire season where I actually think one of their strengths was the idea that you didn't really know who was going to be, that other guy who stepped up one night, it could be Kuzma one night. It could have been Danny green. that hit five threes one night. It could have been Caruso that inspires a rival team's podcast to yell out his name because (laughs) he scored double digit points. Right. Or it could be KCP shit early in the bubble. It looked like it could have been Dion waiters and that, that whole idea of, Oh, well we have some weapons here and, Schroeder is at another level, really, than all of those guys. A, because positionally, he's a point guard, so he has to ball a lot more. But B, he's got diversity with his scoring game. He can be a three-level scorer, and he can be an off-ball worker as a spot-up player, at least, not as a guy who's coming off screens but he can play some in handoff game because that flows naturally right right into pick and rolls. And he can be an on-ball player who is in pick and roll, who is pushing in transition, who can honestly can brutalize you in isolation. One of the things that OKC did a fair amount of last year too was like they'd run a lot of screen actions amongst their guards just in order to get you into a position where they're isolating you. And Schroeder can do that too. And so to speak to the point that you just made, Mike, like offensively, he can force his hand to force you to have to keep him in the game. And then if he raises his level enough and competes defensively, you're not going to have to take him off of the floor. Now, will big wings potentially try to target him? Sure. Guess what? The Lakers... And this is where it goes back to coaching is they have defensive versatility on the back line at their. Yeah. We can double and scramble. They, they, they scram you out of those matchups. They double you. They scramble out of doubles. They trap, they scramble out, out of traps. They show early help. They recover back. They're like, this is vocal. That's why I'm not worried about the size difference. Right. Because all that that they can do with it, if they had to. Hey man, I, I try to look at things just from a matter of not having my heart broken from a how can this go wrong perspective, sure. especially early on. And are you a, are you a Timberwolves I, fan or something, Pete? No, man, you, Mike. You, you remember you're a, Mike, you're, you know you're a Laker fan, right? You're like, no, I know, nobody's Mike, won more. Mike, I, you, almost, I almost died last May and it, it turned everything. Uh, I look at everything now from a like, oh, some shits around the corner, right? I'm. It, it made me a little on the paranoid side, but it has helped my fandom in that as I start to realize, like, oh no, things are actually well, really good. First of all, like this last you, season you, was. You just phenomenal. made it. You just made it real. You, so you equated sports to real life there, which and and so we love you. I'm glad that you were healthy, of course. So I don't want to. I don't want to disassociate. <laughs> Okay, because that was kind of like a well, I'm I'm basically like making fun of you in a way, and then you're like, well, I almost died, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, no, I was just trying to make you feel bad the whole yeah, time. That's exactly. Let, let's yeah, get yeah. let me get the Homer Simpson meme there, Darius. Um, like, I, <laughs> help me out here. He's just no, trying but- to be born like me as a fan, Mike. Which is you, you know, he's trying to see both sides. He's trying That's to be. Right. This is Darius is my Zen. That's right. It's it's yeah. I'm, it's I'm just- trying to achieve ultimate yes and no i the the context for me being less like that is that i am from minnesota i got the job <laughs> with the lakers in uh after they lost to boston in the finals and so mm-hmm. my the first time that so i'm on the team playing and all the guys in the back are kind of talking like pessimistically 
I shouldn't say all the guys, many, many folks on the plane were talking pessimistically about what was going to happen. And I was like, hold on, guys, you realize you, this is the best team in the NBA, right? Like, you know that the, the Lakers have the best chance to win the title. They they lost <laughs> last year, but the, but the finals were closer than many you're going to remember because of the last blowout thing. They didn't have Trevor Risa, didn't have Andrew Bynum. Like, guys, you know, they were still integrating Powell. Um, at that point, like it, they're, and, and so I was, it was shocking to me that the Lakers and Laker fans, right. Who have done nothing but win. And, and, right, this, so and yeah, so let that, me explain anyway, this to so you. I still have that perspective. So part of being a Laker fan and died in the wool from birth Laker fan is obsessing over the details is like that. Oh, the 11th man on our, on our roster is not quite right. And true, that being true. like the, and it's that obsession with, this is part of why the more I see how Polenko works, but he's going to be prepared. He's going to be obsessed over every little thing. So like, let me have my paranoia, man. I, like, no, I know, have, I know. You can have it, like, but just also enjoy it. Just also enjoy it. That's all I <laughs> oh, I, Oh, Lord knows. Lord knows I do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this was a lot of fun, guys. Um, we've got a lot more Schroeder to talk about, which we're going to get to. Uh, also, yeah, I mean, free agency, man. Free, free agency in, mm -hmm. in like another day. There's lots of stuff that's coming up. There's going to be lots of Lakers news for us to go over. Schroeder is one piece, but there's going to be many more decisions that are going to be made over the next, you know, 72 hours, the yeah. next week. And this roster could look very much the same as it did last year, but with this one change or honestly, it could look fairly different with yeah. a lot of folks making decisions soon. Right. Then we can really have the closing line of discussion once we know the actual roster. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no. When you were saying that, I was like, I don't know. We got like yeah. four dudes right now. No, so. there, and yeah. all that talk about what like identity and everything else. And this was one point I wanted to make, and maybe we can close with this guys, because I remember during that episode of the shop when former president Obama was talking to LeBron and this was in like the closing credits and they were just sort of yucking it up. Right. But president Obama said, said something about you go and you climb the mountain and you get to the top. And then the next year, it resets and you start all the way over again. That's the gift and it's the curse of sports. Yeah. The team was just at the highest of highs and now they are going to start again fresh and they've already made one change, but there could be much more change that's coming. And so we're going to have a lot of conversations about what this new iteration of the 2021 Lakers is going to look like and how they can make that arduous trek again to try to get back to the top of the mountaintop and it's going to be fun man it's going to be and fun. it sure is better when you got the chip in the bag though we can say oh, that man. much it it is right? and yeah think about the now, guys think about the pressure of this season had they not won last year right oof. oh no like, we'll save that for the other team oh man yeah that would have been we'll save that you know what we'll save that for the celtics i just love just i ain't heard of any of the dudes the celtics drafted tonight but i was just like peyton pritchard what is a Peyton Pritchard, this most Celtics-y name, just being able to talk shit about the Celtics when all oh, the assets, that damn Grizzlies well, pick that if it ended makes, up being yeah, the 14th pick in a bad draft. And we heard about their assets and all of the, like everything that they had in their war chest and rah, 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 rah. And it turns into the 14th pick in the draft and the 28th pick in the draft and the 30th pick in the draft. Oh, this is great, Mike, just to be able to have that ship in the bag and just be able to just talk shit about the Celtics just unabashedly. I don't want the next season to even start, really, because I didn't get enough of this. But this was a nice night just to like just to get that out. It makes you happy. We had to do a two, way too early top five teams in the league. And I, I briefly considered the Celtics, but ended up not selecting them uh, for my too Thank early you. top five. So you're welcome, Pete. Thank you for that, Mike. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. We may have to include Philly. Uh, I thought about it. I thought about it. Yeah, I went. I went. Lakers, Bucks, Clippers, Heat, Nuggets. Philly know. makes more sense than they did last year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we got, dude. We got a lot to talk about. And guess Lots what? Games, games are happening in a month. 
Yes. All right. This is exciting. We've got actual things to talk about basketball wise. Uh, like Darius said, we've got a lot of action that's going to be happening. We've got games coming up. So yes, we will get to as much of it as we possibly can. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Here's on the line. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Jack with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans stick around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, two one. Miss it. It's over. And shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.